Welcome to the latest episode of Oxygen Starved, the podcast that brings you your ABCs, adventure, books, and conversations from 11,000 feet with your esteemed hosts, Dr. Stacy Adler of the Mono County Office of Education and Mr. Christopher Platt of the Mono County Free Library. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of the Oxygen Starved podcast, where we bring you your adventure books and conversation, ABCs, from 11,000 feet in the beautiful eastern Sierra. I'm your friendly county librarian, Christopher, and with me... I'm Stacy, your friendly county superintendent of schools. <laughs> and with us is our ever-friendly producer, Producer Doug. Hey, Doug. Hey, Hi, Doug. how's it going, guys? How are you? How are you? Good. We're all, we're all feeling friendly today. Yeah. And it's because we can breathe. <laughs> it's because we can breathe. Yes. The air yeah. is clean. It right. is a, a recording day where we've had at least two to three days of clear air and everyone mm-hmm. is feeling better for it. So yes. wonderful thing. Wonderful thing. Never take it for granted, right? Definitely not. So let's just kick in right with our adventure. And Stace, I'm going to let you lead this one because this is directly in your neighborhood. Yes, it is. Just down the street, four and a half miles from my home. Oh, you um, have an exact. I do. Because I used to, we used to run there and, and back. <laughs> so, but we, Christopher and I ventured to Tom's Place, um, which is a resort and restaurant, Um located just about four and a half miles south of Crowley Lake. And Tom's Place is kind of an institution in the Eastern Sierra. Um, it really is. Yeah. It was it, the original structure, the original restaurant was built in 1917. Mm-hmm. Um, and it started as a gas station because, you know, after driving all that way at that point, 395 wasn't even in existence. It was right. just a, you know, a, a dirt a road. Lane road. So, um, you know, people needed gas when they were driving up here from Southern California. And so a man named Hans Loff built a cookhouse and a gas station and Tom's place began. And, um, in 1923, uh, a man named Tom Yarby and his wife, who was an actress wow. uh, in the 20s named Jane Gray, I, I, I don't, never heard of her, but anyways, they bought Tom's Place and um, they built it up and made the restaurant and it became a famous watering hole for fishermen and- right. Uh, people coming up to Yosemite and all of you know all the beautiful spots in Eastern Sierra. So, are they the ones um, who expanded it into like a resort where you could get cabins and stuff? Yes, exactly. And um, there were a couple of fires, and they they that burned the restaurant down. They built it again. They first had those those cabins were actually started as tents. Oh, really? Yes. And then they upgraded so, um, to permanent structures, which, you know, several of them are still there today. That's awesome. Well, back yeah. in the day, fishermen probably didn't really care. It was all part of the adventure, right? Right. Exactly. They, you know, and, and even, even today, I don't think the fishermen <laughs> are really too picky about the, the, you know, their accommodations. They just want a warm place and a bed and, you know, a place to get some good food. And, um, 
you know, Tom's Place is there for that. And um, it's had another, um, there have been another two sets of owners Oh, okay. Between when uh, the Yerbys owned it and now, and um, Mark and Michelle Lane are the owners now. Um, and Michelle was good enough to hire um, my daughter Tessa, uh, worked there over the summer as her first job. And awesome. um, did she yeah, do well? It, she did. She She really enjoyed it. It was great for her to, you know, get that experience bussing tables and, you know, that hard work. And, um, but you know, she, she really enjoyed it. And it's a place that, um, you know, my family with it being so close, you know, we, it's our go-to spot. It's kind of like, I feel kind of like Tom's place is like the cheers, (laughs) our, our cheers, you know, everybody knows your name. So everyone in Crowley Lake and Aspen Springs and um, Sunny Slopes, that whole area at the top of Sherwin Gray, that's their local watering hole and walk in and everyone just knows everyone. Yeah, it's the go-to. You know, in the summers, they do Taco Tuesdays and everybody knows about Taco Tuesdays and prime rib nights are on Saturdays and I think maybe Thursdays too. So, you know, it's just they... (laughs) It's definitely a you know a favorite of the locals, but yet you know so many people from out of the area. Like after a day of hiking at Rock Creek, they go down to Tom's place on their yeah. way home or on their way back to Mammoth. And it's a um, beloved, it's a beloved institution by many who enjoy the Eastern Sierra. Yeah, it 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 definitely is, and it's you know they've got all these great um, art, you know, um, things from the past, like old menus and, um, photographs on the wall and, um, fishing maps, fishing maps and big, you know, mounted fish and, and, you know, deer heads. You know, what I like about it is, um, you know, and I, I, you know, uh, Doug and I were the three of us were chatting before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Doug and I grew up in the area, so it really was just you know since we were kids, Tom's Place has always been there, and it's such a uh, comfortable, welcoming, old timey resort. Like you walk mm-hmm. in, it's all you know old pine inside, and um, there's a little general store and the bar, and then there was the cabins and and stuff. But you know, it's also that you're at the top of Sherwin Grace. So if you're coming from LA or point South, you've driven up the Owens Valley in the summer at, you know, a hundred degrees. And then you climb this massive grade up to, you know, 7,000 feet or whatever. And the air is cooler and yeah. you want to get out of your car and you want to have a sandwich and, you know, just breathe in the pine scent. That's really where you start smelling the pinions and the other pines that grow. And, um, it really is kind of like an entrance point, a gateway into, the Eastern Sierra for many people. Definitely. Yeah. And you know, you could, you could just imagine all the carloads of families with kids driving up here who, okay, Tom's place is coming. We can go to the bathroom. We can have something <laughs> eat, get the kids out of the car and they can run around. And exactly. Um, yeah. It's just, I mean, we, we really enjoy going there. You and I had a nice breakfast, yep. you know, good service, hot coffee, um, we have dinner there, you know, as a family, you know, we, we go there often. Um, and it's just, you know, you just always, you can count on, you know, the people 
the service being good, the people being fun and the food being good. And that's, that's what you need, right? Yeah, it is what you need. So, so listeners, next time you're going that, that way, pull off 395 onto old 395, just at the base of Rock Creek Road, um, and avail yourself of Tom's place if you haven't already. Check out Tom's place. We'll put a link in the show notes. You can go to their website if you want to reserve a cabin or definitely check it out. And take a deep breath and we'll be right back. Ample oxygen is a basic requirement for human molecular metabolism. Welcome back, listeners. We have arrived at the B book section of the podcast. Cheer. Yay! Yeah. Good job. <laughs> and um, we're getting better at the cheer. No, we're not. I think we're getting worse. We've got to get something different. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to talk to the, the Mammoth High School cheerleaders about this. Maybe they could help us. I, I don't know. Oh, my God. Yes. But this week, we're, we're starting to get into the holiday spirit of things. It's, as we're recording this, it's almost Halloween. And that kicks off all of the fall holiday season, which I I really enjoy. Yeah, um, it's the, it's the kind of nesting and coming inside kind of time of year, right? Definitely, yeah. In a, in a normal year, we should say. I think everyone's been inside <laughs> way too much. Well, and I think too, you know what? It, for this year, for twenty twenty. The fact that we're getting to those kind of end of the year holidays are signaling that the year might, you know, we're close to it being over. And I think <laughs> a lot of people are looking forward to this year being over. I agree, Stace. So, you know, all I want for Christmas this year is 2021. It, me too. I'm, I am with you. Wrapped up in a big bow. Yes. <laughs> um, so for our book discussion this this episode, we decided to talk about gift books and mm-hmm. make some recommendations. If you are you know, trying to build your Christmas shopping list and, um, you know, think about things that you want to gift to people, we have we have some ideas for you. So, Christopher, I'll kick it to you to uh, give the listeners your suggestions. Sure. Thank you. So uh, what we decided, listeners, is we would each pick three titles, and one of them would be a kid's book, because we know many of you have kids or have grandkids or nieces and nephews, and so Mm -hmm. this might be helpful for you. For my three books, of course, you know, there are just hundreds of thousands of books published every year. I've picked three books that were published this year. They're all new. And I'm going to start off with the kid's book, which is a little apropos. It's called The Sasquatch, The Fire, and the cedar baskets. And it's a picture book, which, you know, picture books, as you would know, are they're typically 32 pages long. They're kind of bigger. And, and you know, they're the books you read with your kids in bed at night or read over and over again. This one is written and illustrated by two indigenous authors and artists from Vancouver, British Columbia. So Joseph Dandurand, who wrote it, is a, um, a Quentlin First Nation member and the illustrator is Simon Daniel, Daniel Names, who is Quack Quack Quack, I think I pronounced that right, uh, indigenous, which is near where the Quentlin tribe is um, in British Columbia, just outside of Vancouver. So it's a it's a book of 
about what the title describes, a f- Sasquatch um, with a forest fire, which is a timely theme right now. I know a lot of you probably had to have conversations with your young kids or grandkids about what forest fires are this year. Oh, gosh, so yeah. I thought this would be a, apropos because it's kind of a positive uh, story around it. So um, Dan Durand is a Kwantlen storyteller, poet, and author. And so he came up with this retelling of a Sasquatch tale from his tribe. And so I'm just going to read a blurb from the publishers. The Sasquatch Mm -hmm. grows up alone in a forest after his family is scared away by a fire. So he's an orphan by fire. And after many years of eating berries and collecting mushrooms and swimming in the rivers and admiring his enormous feet, he meets another Mm. Sasquatch. They fall in love and they have a playful, energetic daughter. And later, when his young family is threatened by another forest fire, the Sasquatch is able to protect his home with the rainwater that his partner has collected in thousands of cedar baskets that she has woven. So the theme is because of her preparation and his hard work, the family is able to stay in their forest, um, which is rich in life despite the fire it has endured. So you know, the wow. it certainly resonates this year. The yeah. style of the book is photo with illustration over it. So it's photos of, um, you know, the forests up in British Columbia, which are very rich and lush and green, kind of slightly different than here, but still apropos. And then it weaves in the illustrations of the Sasquatch as the family um, and incorporates um, many of the motifs, the artwork of the indigenous tribes from that area, which are really beautiful. So that one is a children's book. It's called The Sasquatch, The Fire, and The Cedar Baskets by Joseph Dan Durand. We will link all of these on our show page. So if you don't have to write them down, you can come back and get them later. Um, (laughs) so, uh, for my two adult books, I chose to pick books just because of this year and what I think we are all looking forward to is (laughs) is we need some kindness and uplift in our lives. Um, so I picked a couple that are on that, that theme. Mm -hmm. Um, the first one, many of you may know, Brandon Stanton, he started an Instagram account about almost a decade ago, I think called humans of New York where he would go around and take a photo of a random person in New York city and then ask them a question that he would use as the caption for that Instagram post. I'm sure many of you are familiar with this. He's kind of become part of the cultural zeitgeist. They get reshared a lot. He has a ton of followers and he's actually started putting out books. And the book that he put out this year is just called humans. He's gone well beyond New York. He's, this is a global Mm. book where excuse me, he really just travels the world finding people on the street and in parks and outside cafes um, and asks if he can take their photo and then ask them a question. And what is amazing about these photos and these books is that people open up to a complete stranger who takes their photo. They tell him the most amazing things. And so it is kind of a a heartwarming thing to read through this coffee table-sized book um, with random people and families from around the world sharing their thoughts in that moment, in that day. And some of them are really sad. Some of them are very happy. Most of them are very poignant. Some are profound. So I'm going to read just uh, three very brief ones to kind of give okay. you an idea if right. our listeners aren't familiar with Humans of New York. <clears throat> so this one, the first photo is uh, smiling adult 
uh, uh, African American male with a, a young boy behind him with his arm around his shoulder. They're sitting outside a cafe in New York City, and they're smiling broadly for the camera. This is they're almost like they're dressed up in their Sunday best, so it's a special day. And the caption reads, "I am not his father. I'm his friend." And so Stanton asked, "How'd you meet?" And he responded. I love his mother and it was a package deal. So, you know, mm. it, it's just a little, you know, heartwarming thing. Yeah. But then a few pages later, he's got a photo of a young man from Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, kind of staring point, you know, thoughtfully into the distance. Mm-hmm. And, and when he asked him a question, the caption that he came away with for this photo was, when I tried to hug her, she'd tell me it was too hot for hugs, so I learned to stop trying. We never had conversations. I thought it was normal. It was all I knew. I always thought that the relationship between a mother and a child was about giving and receiving orders. But when I was 10 years old, I went to a friend's house to do a school project. At first, I remember feeling sorry for him. His family was so poor, but there was almost nothing in the house. But when we walked inside, his mom gave him such a big hug, and she was so happy to see him. And that was the saddest moment of my life. So, you know, these are just oh. like, you read it out loud, you kind of get tears, right? Well, but- yeah. So how does he, <laughs> I mean, this is fascinating. <laughs> and these are just random people. It's not like he's pre-screening these people. He's walking right. to a park. He's walking down the beach on Rio, uh, you know, in Rio de Janeiro. He travels Afghanistan. He finds this middle-aged guy who's smiling happily sitting on a bench, grabs a great photo of this, this guy. And mm-hmm. the caption is, when I'm bored, I call up Radio Pakistan and request a song. And then I start dancing. I'll even dance on a rainy day. It's my way of expressing how grateful I am. I am the happiest man in Pakistan. Wow. So, you know, this whole book is this, right? And, you know, I think so, we all need a little bit of this this year. Absolutely. I just, this is a, a pretty trivial question, but are his photos, are they black and white? Are they color is it a mixture what's his what's the the photography medium that he uses it's definitely color um i mean you know i think photography is his main gig so mm-hmm. um you know his photos are really well framed they're very portrait oriented and sometimes they capture the flavor of the background wherever the scenery they are on the street or outside or whatever so there's great context around the photos as well and he's really you know he captures um, an expression that matches the caption, which is, I think, yeah. like really resonates with so many people here. But there are so many things in this book that just, they're just so human yeah. um, that it, it really speaks to something very fundamental about us. So that's Humans okay. by Brandon Staten. It just came out this summer. And then the third book I'm picking also came out this summer. It is a memoir um, by a young man named Brian Sonia Wallace. It's called The Poetry of Strangers, What I Learned Traveling America with a Typewriter. (laughs) So, (laughs) um, you know, if those of you who've traveled around, certainly, you know, living in New York, we saw this quite a bit, you know, there's kind of this nostalgia around old manual typewriters, even though most people alive today probably weren't born when most of those typewriters were built. (laughs) I remember using them in high school. Um, so, and you, you know, it was a lot of work typing a paper and if you messed up, boy, howdy, you had to remember scratching the paper with a white out out and eraser. Horrible. And rewinding the ribbon and all that good stuff. Yeah. I won't go down that way, but there's kind of a nostalgia around that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, especially as kind of like, I think in response to, you know, so many people, young kids, young kids, I'm sorry, millennials with laptops sitting <laughs> in coffee houses, you know, working on their book or their work or whatever, this is kind of an anti version of that, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you see them around, you see them left out, you know, people will do art projects with them or leave them there for people, strangers to come up and type on But he, this young man kind of came of age, got out of school during the last economic recession. So he mm-hmm. was textbook, um, one of the, the generation that got affected by the downturn and the job opportunities right. kind of dried up when they graduated school, when they needed to start paying off their debt. So mm-hmm. he, as he was an actor and, um, studied, some literature and um, he set himself a goal. He had never done this before, but he got himself a typewriter and a folding table. And he's like, I'm going to pay this month's rent by selling poetry just to see if he could. And so he set up in, I think he was in Los Angeles somewhere or mm-hmm. near there set up outside where people were walking by and sold his, you know, he would say, you know, you know, come up and buy a poem. I'll write a poem for you and then pay me what you will. So his very first customer was a a young lady who was the daughter of a trucker, long haul trucker. Um, he asked a little bit about her so he could write a poem and, um, he gave her the poem. She didn't have any money on her. So he said, you know, just take it. Um, Mm -hmm. she walked away and he didn't think really much of it, but she came back a little while later with a $20 bill. She had read the poem and it had affected her so deeply. She went to the ATM and pulled out a 20 and walked all the way back there and gave it to him. Um, and so what he found is a lot of people love just the notion of something written for them. Um, it's a poem, which is, you know, (laughs) not a whole lot of people read poetry. So it's kind of unique um, artisanal, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. and he actually succeeded in paying his month's rent in poetry almost by accident because, you know, mm-hmm. someone would come up and they'd be like, Oh, what are you doing? I'm doing, I'm selling you a poem. And the guy would be like, Oh, you know what? My company's doing uh, a holiday party or, you know, my, I know someone who needs someone at a fundraiser. Can you come do this at this fundraiser? And he started getting more and more gigs throughout this year until he actually became the writer in residence for Amtrak, which I had no idea, (laughs) but he got a long free train ride out of that to Minnesota, where he was also the writer in residence for the Mall of America's 25th anniversary. So, you know, he kind of funded his way through this. Interesting. It is interesting, but what (laughs) is poignant and uplifting about this are the individual stories that he is encountering as he interviews people and writes a poem for them. And the one that really sticks out that I'll talk about right now is on that Amtrak residency that he had. He had a small little cabin on a train and it was like four or five days to get from LA to wherever he was going. Mm -hmm. Um, for a good portion of that trip, this 90 year old man had the cabin across him and they bonded, you know, this 20 year old, 20 something uh, young man and this 90 year old world war two veteran, um, spent, you know, three or four days eating together every meal, sitting up in the, the observation car together and just really getting to, to know each other. And so he's like, well, you know, this is like a war veteran. This is a guy from that generation that probably didn't express a whole lot of emotion, right? you know, all that kind of stuff. He's not going to mm-hmm. want a poem. So finally on his last day, he writes him a poem after having learned more about this guy's life story. And he doesn't make a big deal out of it. He just kind of slides it over to him and leaves it, you know, and then kind of goes Mm -hmm. back to his own seat. 
And he watches the guy reading the poem and tears come to the guy's face. And he says like, you know, this is the most amazing thing anyone has ever given me. And you know, this, you know, gruff world war two veteran, it, it really resonated with him. And so I think that was a, it was a gift. It was a kindness, but it was also a learning experience for this young man, Brian Sonia Wallace. And it helped him inspired him to actually turn this into his full-time work. Now he, has this whole organization that does poetry for hire, basically. I think wow. he called it rent, rent Poetry or something like that. Um, but cool. it, it is kind of cool. So I admire that you know he kind of took yeah. a really difficult situation in his life and turned it into something um, just through grit and, you know, let's just try it out and see if it works. So that book right. is called The Poetry of Strangers by Brian Sonia. Wallace. So those are my three picks, Stace. Awesome. What did They're you pick? All uplifting. Well, I I took uplifting in another direction. <laughs> I do hot air balloons. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. I'll I'll start out with my children's book as well, and mm-hmm. you know, having having been a teacher, uh, you know, and having raised my own three kids. I know how fun it is to read books to children that have a rhyme to it. Right. And, and how good that is for developing, um, us, you know, a sense of language in children right. and them learning all of their, their alphabet sounds and, right. you know, letter combination sounds and things like that. So the book I chose is called the girl and the dinosaur and it's written by Holly Hughes and Sarah Messini. And it is a story about a girl and a dinosaur, a little girl and a dinosaur that she befriends. <laughs> you know, what more do kids need? But it's told and it's told in rhyme. Oh, wow. And um, it's it. The illustrations are beautiful, um, you know, but, you know, it's a it's kind of a. Uh, story we've we've seen before the little girl is she doesn't play with other kids her own age Mm. she comes across these bones and she reconstructs these bones into this dinosaur and she names him bony and they become (laughs) best friends and um the story is about believing the impossible Right. And that anything can happen if you if you put your mind to it. So, you know, female protagonist, dinosaurs, beautiful illustrations, rhyming. It checked all my boxes. Um, (laughs) And um, I think it would make a a great a great gift for any little well, for any any child um, this this holiday season. Um, I just really fell in love with it myself. Yeah, it sounds sounds great, especially for kids who might be experiencing like, you know, going to a new school or starting and worrying about having friends or Yeah, or or returning to a an in-person school situation after being home for right. you know, all this time. That I think that's going to you know, how different school is going to look right. when kids are able to return is going, you know, could you know, there's some potential anxiety inducing (laughs) situations there. So, um, but anything is possible. And that's, that's the, um, um, the theme of this book. So I think it would be enjoyable. And then the 
the um, for the two ad- adult books that I chose, um, of course, I had to pick a cookbook because <laughs> I love, you know, I love cookbooks. I love cooking. And this one, I was really thinking of my daughter, Sarah, when I chose this one, because she is a huge fan of Friends. You know, the, the show TV Friends, show. the TV show. <laughs> and even though it, you know, she wasn't uh, born yet when it, well, I think she was, a lot, you know, born when it was in its last few years. But, yeah. um, you know, she loves watching the reruns. Uh, actually, so does my other daughter. Um, but, you know, it's it's an iconic show. And this year they released the Friends official cookbook. Oh my gosh! And it's written, compiled by Amanda Yee, who is a who is a cook, a chef, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so it it's also a really pretty cookbook. It's really it's shot. You know, there's pictures of scenes from the movie Friends or from the show Friends, and um, the characters, and has a little. With each recipe, there's a little bit of a backstory, and so, it has all those recipes. That so you was, remember. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, because I believe Monica was a chef right. on the show, right? So are these her yes. recipes? Some of them are Monica's recipes. Some of them are other characters' recipes. So they have Chandler's Milk You Can Chew is one of the <laughs> recipes. Um, Phoebe's Grandmother's Cookies. Um, they have all the recipes from Monica's Friendsgiving Feast. um including the the moist maker sandwich um (laughs) you know i mean so and and actually you know looking at the recipes these are recipes that you might actually make in your kitchen yeah recipes you would cook definitely and it's it's laid out you know sometimes cookbooks can be um you know a little wonky in how they're laid out. And this one's laid out really nicely that, you know, you're not flipping back and forth on pages to get from step three to step four. It's laid out really nice. So, you know, you know what this makes me think of is, you know, when you and I were kids, like I love Lucy was in reruns, right? Mm-hmm. It was older than us. And, and so that's kind of, we grew up on those reruns and it's kind of like the family nostalgia thing. Cause our parents would have watched it. And now that's what Friends is today, probably to many, many families. Yeah, I I think it is. Um, you know, like the, the the girls can you know see an episode. Oh, I you know and see three the first three minutes and be like, oh, I love this one. I'm going to watch <laughs> this one. You know, um, and you know it was such a it was such an iconic show. You know, I mean, I associate it with you know when I was a young adult and you right. know I loved watching it and. Um, so, I mean, I thought this cookbook was a, was a great idea, especially, you know, if you have friends or family members who, who love that show, you know, this, this would be a great addition to their cookbook collection. Sounds good. Um, and then the other, the other book I chose, um, also has a, has a television show connection, um, ironically, but, um, it's called the other side of the coin. The Queen, the Dresses, and the Wardrobe. And it's by Angela Kelly. And this is a book that goes through all of the years that Queen Elizabeth has been on the throne and talks about her wardrobe and the the gowns that she's worn and the dresses and the coats and the hats. And um, 
and it's written um, by her personal assistant and senior dresser. Oh, wow. So, so really, yeah. really from the inside. Exactly. So uh, Angela Kelly has been um, with the queen for more than 20 years. And, um, you know, you can imagine what that job must be like, right? Does she tell you what's in the handbag? I don't think they get into that much detail. <laughs> and But it sounds like... Um, that Angela Kelly and the queen they're that they're kind of like best friends, besties. I bet. And so there's not only, you know, photographs and anecdotes about the clothing that she's worn, but you know, it talks about shares insights in what it's like to work closely with the queen, you know, who's kind of an enigma, right? Right. You know, we don't really get to see that personal side of her or, you know, know what, you know, what her sense of humor is like or anything. And so this book is kind kind of delves into that just a little, you know, a little bit. And you kind of get an insight into the nature of who the, who the queen is as a woman. Right. And I imagine a lot of, you know, the, that what's the Netflix show, the crown, the right? crown, yes, which should be starting to air its next season as this episode is released. All right. those watchers would, this would be a book right up their alley, right? Yeah. And that's, that's what I, you know, was, was kind of thinking for me, because I don't, um, I, I watched part of the first season of the crown mm-hmm. and, um, I haven't watched anything more of it. Um, oh. although it's very, it's very good. It's really good. I just, I don't, you know, I don't have a whole lot of patience for watching television. So, um, <laughs> I turn, I, yeah, I turn it on, you know, with good intentions and then I fall asleep. So, <laughs> but, um, this, my understanding is that this season of the crown is the season you know, it takes place in more modern times or, you know, like recent history. Right. So princess Diana, oh. you know, it's, that's, that's what's coming up this season. And, um, you know, so it it really would align with with this with this book. With so this book. um yeah. And um again, it's just, you know, it's a beautiful I do love, you know, looking at pictures of fashion kind of through the years, you know, mm-hmm. in a historical context. And mm-hmm. um this book has such beautiful pictures and photographs in it. So um you know, it would Sounds it great. would look really pretty sitting on a coffee table. Well, I'm, um, it's probably a book I would look at. I'm not sure I would buy a book of the Queen's gowns for me personally, right. <laughs> but I could see a lot of people who would. Um, and yeah. why it would make a great gift. And I'm a big fan of The Crown, the TV show. I can't wait for the next season to start. So this is right up right up the alley. Yeah, I, I think I might try to try it again. I might tr- give it a go and <laughs> see if I don't fall asleep. But, um, yeah, so The Other Side of the Coin, The Queen, The Dresses, and The Wardrobe by Angela Kelly. That's my third pick. And listeners, if you have suggestions for gift books, please share them with us. Go to our, um, you can email us at oxygenstarvedpodcast at gmail.com and let us know what you're thinking. Yeah, and, I'll, you know, we'll each also just put in a plug Um you know, as you're looking to buy these books or other books that you might buy, want to buy friends and loved ones this holiday season, remember your local bookstore. And in the Eastern Sierra, we are really, really lucky to have 
at least three great book mm-hmm. or the bookie joint in Mammoth, the Mono Lake Committee Bookstore up in Levining, and Spellbinder down mm-hmm. in Bishop in the Owens Valley. Yep. yep. Support your local businesses. Absolutely. We'll be right back. Oxygen, a colorless, odorless reactive gas, the chemical element of atomic number eight and the life-supporting component of the air. Starved, suffering a severe and damaging lack of basic material and cultural benefits. Oxygen Starved Podcast, a colorless, odorless, culture-packed, nutritious podcast considering books, describing Mono County adventure, and engaging in informative conversation with colorful Eastside Sierra locals. Download it now. Welcome back, listeners. We are at the C portion of the podcast, the conversation part, where we bring you a local individual or organization that does something unique to the live, work, play lifestyle that we all experience here in Mono County and the Eastern Sierra. And today we are super excited to have on our guest, a colleague from the county, Robin Roberts, who heads up the behavioral health department for the county. Welcome, Robin. Hi, Robin. Welcome. Hi. It's a mouthful, behavioral health. What is it? I was going to ask you, can you tell us your actual title since I actually just mangled that one beautifully? No, I think you mangled it really perfectly. Actually, I'm the director of the behavioral health department for Mono County. And behavioral health is, uh, at least in Mono County, any mental health service, substance use disorder services, and then a lot of community programs throughout the county. Uh, to uh, meet the needs of all people throughout Mono County. So we have um, a very wide range of things that we do. Awesome. And I I look forward to diving into some of those. Some of those I know the library has tendentially played a role in. Um, But let's let's start with our usual first question, uh, get into your origin story. Robin, where are you from and how did you end up in Mono County? Well, I was born in Oakland, California in the 50s. Uh, My parents moved to Southern California, which is where I grew up. Mm -hmm. And like many people during that period of time, my mom subscribed to Sunset Magazine. Oh, right. Yeah. Let's see. So I believe it was in 1964 or three, she saw an article about Tuolumne Meadows, the tent cabins in Tuolumne Meadows. So she saved her pennies, as she said, um, back in the day and took the family for a week. We, it was our first real vacation. So I was, uh, eight at that time, Mm -hmm. make my brother four and my sister two. And we went to Toronto Meadows and uh, I remember it really well. We actually made some friends there that are still part of the family. My dad being who he was, um, started talking to people who were walking around with backpacks on and realized, Oh, we don't have to actually stay in one spot and we don't have to (laughs) to stay inside. We can um, teach the family how to backpack. And so the next, the following year we went to the high Sierra camps. And then after that we began backpacking. So it was probably about 10, which makes my sister four. Um, And we spent just tremendous amount of time in the back country here throughout growing up. So you are actually really familiar with the whole Eastern Sierra range. I am. Yeah, so I was very familiar with the Eastern Sierra backcountry. Hmm. <laughs> but when it came to like the towns or uh-huh. 
like Mammoth was a place that we definitely avoided because there were people here, right? So <laughs> I grew up doing that and it was really, it felt like home to me in a way that I um, started to understand when I was about 11 or 12, like, oh, I'm not always going to live with my parents. Someday I want to live here. Right. Um, so it was always part of your like aspirational plan to get back here. It, the, that's exactly right. And when I left Southern California, which I wanted to as soon as I could, mm-hmm. I was 18. I went to college. And then after I was finished with my first four years of college, I wasn't quite sure where to land. And I didn't have the wherewithal, I guess, or the courage yet to move over here. Cause I didn't know what I would do for work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and also it just felt really remote, which turns out to be accurate. So then I took a tour <laughs> and I ended up in Santa Cruz and I lived there for almost 30 years before I moved here. Beautiful. Um, and then when I was 50, I did the um, John Muir trail for the nice. second time. And I realized like I was, uh, smoke and crack to think that I should move here in my seventies. Like if, you know, (laughs) right. Like, no. So, um, I realized, okay, I need to, if I'm going to move here, I need to do it while I'm still, you know, reasonably fit and able to Mm -hmm. move around physically. So that was a little over 12 years ago. I left everything I was doing in Santa Cruz, which was really a lot of um, really cool and important things mm-hmm. and moved here and uh, started working for the government for the first time. I'd never worked. Wow. For- and um, that was an eye opener. Had you worked in private practice before coming here? Yeah, I had a private practice uh, for and I still actually have a small one. I mm-hmm. did that for the whole the almost the entire time I was in Santa Cruz. And I also worked for the Santa Cruz AIDS project. I did teaching. I worked in intern programs. Um, and then I had a radio program for 12 years that I did with another person through public radio. Oh, I left cool. all of that when I moved over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's a lot to leave behind. It was a lot. It was not to mention the people, but yeah, I, it was. Right. And, and um, the, I re, you know, I, in the middle of the time from being a kid to moving here, I spent a lot of time here. I, I figured out how to be here. In the, I'm not a skier, but I figured out how to be over here in the winter and right. spent a great deal of time over here. So I felt like mm-hmm. I knew the area. I didn't know very many people, but I, I knew the area. I knew how big it is here. Yeah. Because that was a big part of moving here. Aside from the remoteness and that really nobody invested in relationships with me for the first probably two or three years, because I didn't know this at the time, but so many people, people that came here for a job didn't turn for the most part, didn't end up staying. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that. So um, they were just like, what are you doing here? Like, like people would say like, well, what brought you here exactly? You know, like with suspicion of, Oh, I, <laughs> I would tell some variation of my origin story and they'd be like, yeah, sure. Okay. Nobody, nobody with that story stays. So I, the first winter I was here was decent, but the second winter I was here was enormous. And so I did, after that, I feel like I, I earned enough credibility that people. Yeah. Um, when, you, when you've shoveled your car out of enough snow. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> how are you doing? They'd say, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is really awesome. And it's work. And, um, but also just the, you know, just as you know, living here, like the remoteness of, Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are very far away from everything, actually. 
even though it can feel like we're not because we have the internet or whatever, but right. Um, and I really like to cook. So the, the hardest thing about moving here and, and still the hardest thing for me is not being able to go to like specialty markets on the daily and think, Oh, today I want to make whatever. Yeah. Here you have to plan really far ahead and mm-hmm. I have to learn how to cook out of a freezer and it's just super different. And always be aware of when your friends are going to Trader Joe's. No, or- exactly. Just, that's exactly. My <laughs> phone call before this is somebody that's right. because we're all working remotely is um, is living in a different city for a little while, and she's like, "I'm coming back to Mammoth. Do you want anything?" Yeah. And ever and isn't it isn't that great? I mean, weren't you surprised after living here a while and building some relationships how people do that for one another all the time? Yes. 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 And I think the other thing, especially after living in Santa Cruz for such a long period of time, where um, politically it it was more um, kind of one dimensional in a way. Mm -hmm. And people, you know, the the idea that you should be on a side became um, prevalent there in a way that I was not comfortable with. And then moving here and and my my job as the director is to make relationships with people like with the library or the schools or the Mm -hmm. hospital or not just with the individuals in these places, but like, how can my department um, partner with other entities or how can we create projects together in order to enhance the communities that we live in throughout the County? And that's really a big part of what I was asked to do when I started being the director. And that was in 2008. Um, Most of create relationships. I mean, I'm sorry, that was in 2012. I'm well, you've, you've, you've done an, an excellent job of that. And you've, well, you. you've done such a great job with the behavioral health department. Um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about some of the, the programs and things that y'all have going on right now that you're most proud of? Sure. So yeah, how about I tell you the pre-COVID story and then I'll tell yeah. you where we're at now. Perfect. Um, so we are uh, paid by tax dollars because we're government. We have a staff of 23. We do all of the things that a, that a regular um, county mental health system would do if you were anywhere else in the state of California. So we provide mm-hmm. mental health services to people. Um, we provide psychiatry and case management. We provide services for people who use drugs or alcohol in a way that they feel that they would like help with. We do all the mandated services for the county. So DUIs and batters intervention. Um, we have a staff that is um, 65% of us are English and Spanish speaker, bilingual, bicultural, so that we are able to reach out to all of our communities. And then we have uh, I'm sure I'm forgetting things. We work in the jail. We work in the schools. We work mm-hmm. do. I mean, we really um, feel that our job is to make sure that there's no wrong door to enter so that if you enter our door for whatever reason, we're able to either provide you with what you're looking for or get you to what you're needing and what you're looking for. Right. Um, we have a really like a strong belief that, you know, there's so much stigma around mental health and substance use uh, care that people are in most circumstances very reluctant to seek us out. And so we really want to make sure that your first contact with us, because we feel that you've, you've worked very hard to cross that threshold to get mm-hmm. to us. That right. experience is very positive and that you feel welcome and that you have some understanding of what we have to offer. 
and, you know, having been a psychotherapist for 35 years now, um, the idea that therapy is, is foreign to people makes sense to me, but the idea that it's a scary thing is like, I think it's the best thing in the world. So, you know, we really try to make sure that people feel comfortable with get and get the service that they need. They don't get too much. They don't right. get too little, et cetera. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we have this money that comes to the state of California through the, what's called the millionaires tax. Um, so it's 1% on, a, on each millionaire of a certain amount goes into a fund that gets divided up according to population. It's called the Mental Health Services Act. And that money, we can have much more discretion to use to build um, services or programs within the community. It's, it's driven by the stakeholder feedback. So we have a process every three years that we're about to try to do. Again, now we're remotely, as a, we're trying to figure out how we're going to do it. But we reach out to all segments of Mono County, um, not just the Mammoth area, and people rate and talk about the various things that they feel like are needed in the in the communities to make them community feel like a place of wellness and stronger. So we were doing things in our communities face to face, either on the monthly or the weekly or the daily, kind of depending on what's what the program was um, Mm -hmm. with the idea being that we wanted people to, we wanted to host events for community members. Like we have a event out in um, Benton called dinner and a movie. We would sponsor a dinner. We would create the dinner for the community. And we did it at the same time every month. And then we'd either have a movie or game night or, or whatever. And the idea was um, to give the community a place to be where they could be connected to each other because we find that connection creates wellness. Right. And if you wanted to talk about services or whatever, we would do that more on the side. We weren't like, like a lot of government agencies will just come in and tell you what you do as the government, you know, and we were told pretty clearly like people out there didn't really trust the government, didn't think that we would show up when we said we would, et cetera. So we, um, we've been doing that program now, well, before COVID almost nine years. So, um, and you know, people, seem to get something from it that um, that is really positive. You know, I think what I like, like about that, you've described that to me before, Robin, and for our listeners, Benton isn't, you know, it's not a town town. It's, there's not mm-hmm. really like, there's no stoplight. <laughs> there's one, <laughs> right. two gas stations, you know, there's not like a store that's, there's like a little mini store, you know, right. but there's not a whole lot of gathering place there, say, mm-hmm. you know, the places of worship or the senior center or whatever. So what you describe is coming in and making a gathering space happen on a regular, um, regular calendar for people that they right. can count right. on. Right. And I, again, you know, speaking to the remoteness, I mean, I think there's two things about people who live here. One is that you live here. If you stay here, it's because you want to be here. Yeah. Right. There's a very deep association with this place. Certainly with our, with the, our native folks, the indigenous people that live here, our Paiute tribes, obviously, right. but mm-hmm. I think anybody else has um, moved here, immigrated to live here. You have a, you have a reason to be here. And that you hang on to that reason when it gets scary or remote or there's too much snow or <laughs> like all the different environmental things that we deal with um, are, that we kind of just integrate into our lives. I think that um, mm-hmm. so. Um, so second to that, now that we're in COVID, we do all the same services. We're doing everything remotely. We, um, it's actually increased access for a lot of people because they can either do it over the phone or over the computer. 
There are certain services in the past that we weren't allowed to provide by the state or the feds um, mm -hmm. remotely without first having face-to-face -face contact. And that has been mm. black since COVID. So that's increased our ability to provide um, services to certain people that normally really would struggle to get to us. So that's been really excellent. We provide all the crisis service for the county as well. That's increased some. Um, we've had quite a bit more crisis intervention that we've been trying to do. Right. Online for people, just assuming that people with COVID and the economic shifts that people are experiencing and having yeah. kids at home and not having kids in school, necessarily all the different kinds of changes that have occurred in people's life have created stress. And then through my department, we do a program, what we call, well, now we just call it coping, but it was called coping with COVID, the new normal. Coping yes. with COVID. Mm. <laughs> it's <laughs> Wednesday, tonight being the, uh, an on night. So it's at 5.30 through Zoom and Facebook Live. And we have a panel of people. We have, it kind of shifts and changes the panel. Um, tonight we'll have a whole variety of folks um, added to it. And... Um, sorry, there's dog. I'm going to go to another room. I don't know if you can hear that or not, but, um, we're all, we're all dog people here. We get it. No, well, uh, my yeah. brother and his girlfriend are staying with me right now. We, we did a 14 day quarantine and now we have five dogs in the house. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and I love it. Yeah. And they do all the cook. It's been amazing for me. actually. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the idea of coping with COVID is, um, that, people have an opportunity to just check in and find out, are you feeling like this? Are you feeling, mm -hmm. like this? you know, and then man, when the fires hit, when the yeah. fire particularly hit and um, the smoke, you know, like one of the things we really pushed on people to try to add into their day is to go outside. And then we couldn't go outside. Right. Yeah. Smoke and the air quality. And I, it, yeah, it's been a really, um, it's been a hard time. I people are really struggling. You Robin, know what? Oh, we're headed into more, you know, the election happening. People are really on edge about whatever, yeah. whatever the outcome people are worried. And, um, economically, I think our County is very worried, uh, related to COVID as we right. move forward, if we're going to be able to stay open or not and what that's going to look like. And we're clearly in a drought. And so will we get snow? And if we do how much and, um, yeah. You know, sometimes I think in the past people would, you know, how everybody has their squirrel story, like the squirrels are get, are getting their nuts early. So that means <laughs> a really big winter or people go, oh, we're not going to have any winter. You know, everybody yeah. has yeah. Right. Right. a squirrel. Yeah. It used to be just like you just kind of dealt, you rolled with the punches, right? It was mm -hmm. what it was going to be. And now I just think there's just an extra layer of concern and worry about what it will be like. And um, so... That's yeah. in my department, we want to make sure people have an opportunity to talk about because we think that that's how people stay buoyant and resilient is to be able to feel like what they're going through is normal, um, even if it isn't, and to offer a few skills here and there and just to make connection. I think that's just what I'd like to say about what I appreciate about that program because we've listened, we've watched a few of the zooms or, or watched them after they've mm -hmm. happened, mm -hmm. um, is, you know, I run the libraries and I have staff and public who use us regularly. And, you know, with our peers around the state, we talk about how do we support 
the people we work with and the people that we serve. And of course, you know, the state library has been great about, you know, trainings and staff wellness opportunities and what have you. This is the first time this, this biweekly zoom that I've seen, uh, you know, county government <laughs> come together and just kind of launch this mm-hmm. without, you know, a whole lot of fanfare, just kind of like come exactly what you said, come tell us how you're feeling. We'll tell you how we feel, which is another thing that resonates with me is a, I believe in modeling leadership behaviors and having leaders like you or a county supervisor or the county sheriff get up and say, you know, I'm feeling this way too, is important for people to hear. It makes it okay. Yeah. Yeah. We kind of humanize, right? Everybody. Right. Yeah. You know, I think like libraries and schools are the two places where people create community. So, Mm -hmm. you, Mm -hmm. you know, that's what you guys do. And, and, um, and then, we have all of, you know, Mono County has its own communities, but without having access to them. Right. And I think also, you know, we're just, we're not all that versed or good at, not all that well versed or good at talking about how we're doing. Right. Right. And so, you know, like there's a variety of people right now that instead of saying, well, how are you? Because how do you answer that? That's a long answer yeah. for me. <laughs> you know, how are you sleeping? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gives you a little bit more room to talk about um, right. what's going on in your system because we're all holding so much. And now the other, the places that we're starting to see it right now is like, what are, you know, November is almost here. I don't know what happened to October, but right. <laughs> it was quick, right? It went yeah. and and it's beautiful right now. We have clear skies in the county and it's just amazing. And so now, well, what are you going to do for Thanksgiving? And if you celebrate Christmas, what will you do for that holiday? Right. And yeah. So then people have to negotiate family in a way and friends in ways that they haven't in the past. And yeah. that's not proving to be all that easy. Right. Right. True. So through all of this, Robin, um, have, have you noticed are people because of the access, well, because they have access via Zoom, um, are have you noticed a trend that people are m- more willing to access, you know, the services that behavioral health provides, or is there are you is there less stigma? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. I don't know that there's less. I mean, it's hard to measure if there's less stigma. Mm-hmm. Definitely increase our client load, if you will, mm-hmm. yeah. but, um, in the past. So I would say that for people in remote areas or for people who um, found us through the Facebook Live um, or through the library or schools or whatever, mm-hmm. are more likely to be connected right now. Where it's hard are people who don't have privacy. Right. Mm. Household or you're a yeah. person. Uh, school age person, you know, we've had on campus services in the past. So now, and so you could have privacy by just going into an office, right? Right. If you, you know, we have some people that like have to go to a closet or see us from the bathroom or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's not ideal for certain people. Right. Um, It's really increased our ability to provide psychiatry because people can do it from, their laptop or their phone mm-hmm. that we weren't able to provide before anybody who's on a, what's called a medically assisted therapy for um, opioid or 
alcohol addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, we that's another place where the state and federal government have relaxed our ability to make that more accessible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So those kinds of things are easier. Um, I think we have, you know, Zoom. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I'm on. I think I have 11 meetings today. Yeah, computer, you know, mm-hmm. and, yep. yeah, right. We are and, and out. I, it's a weird thing because. I don't, you know, the, like this venue right now where we're talking, I feel, I mean, I, I also know you both. So I feel connected to you. I can kind of imagine you. The conversation mm-hmm. feels like it has substance to me, like like physical substance to me. But every once in a while, I'll be in these very intense meetings on Zoom and I'll realize I'm in my living room. It's just so weird. Yeah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and everything's flat, you know, it's all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's, I think it's probably better than nothing, obviously. And, uh, but at the same time, I, I do, I do think that I'm hearing like, like there are a lot of people who are seeing people or talking to people that they wouldn't normally have seen or talked to because they might've just seen them in a visit every other year or something. Right. They're going, you know, on a, on a trip. So I, it may be increasing certain types of connection, but I don't know that it really is all that satisfying necessarily? Yeah. It's um, a different, and, different connection. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. So Plus it's, for, it's also, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was going to say, it's also just additional screen time. We're all on such right. screen time. And some of the response we've been hearing in the library, when we started our maker activity kits is we purposely did not put YouTube videos or screen time associated with those. Those are totally tactile. Read the instructions. Mm -hmm. You can do it with yourself or your family or your kid without having to turn a device on. And I know your group did some kits as well with us over the the summer. And I think people just kind of appreciate that because we do get just zoom is kind of this weird other world to me right now. Yeah. Yeah. It's too much. You know, we're social animals, right? And we, we, the more connected you feel, the more known you feel, um, which is part of uh, my work really is to right. people be able to like be comfortable with talking about who they are so that they can be known in the world. The more connected you feel, the better you feel. And yeah. so now we're in this really weird situation where the people that we're closest to could also be dangerous to us. Um, if you know, you don't want to be one of the people who gets the virus. And so it, it's a very, it's a very tricky time and um, you know, really we're, we're seeing a lot more, we're seeing more folks with just an anxiety, but really at this point we're starting to help trying to help people navigate the conversations about um, who you want to be around. And if you're going to be Mm -hmm. around each other during Thanksgiving and you have somebody, you know, you, you have the whole continuum, the political continuum of, you know, I don't think there's a virus at all. I don't think it's stupid. Yeah. Why are you caring to the person who's like, I haven't seen another human since March. And right. you put those people into a conversation to say, and I want to see you because we always get together for a holiday. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. navigate that, right? Because it starts to feel very personal. And, you know, family dynamics can be tricky, as we all know. So it's, kind of, it's a very, well, this is going to sound like a total cliche. It's a very interesting time. <laughs> well, okay, you're right so- about the screen time. Like, I there's just like, you know, after work, I don't want to consume any more screen time. So, right, or being <laughs> I'm with you. It's a weird thing. 
So yeah. let's, let's riff on that for a minute, Robin, and, mm-hmm. and shift to a completely different topic. So um, you can answer this pre-COVID or in COVID or what have you. When you're not doing all that work with your amazing team, um, what do you do these days to enjoy, to unwind and to just enjoy where you live? So I like to walk. I think I like to wander and walk. I like to have some time. And so this is on the ideal um, Mm -hmm. possibility, not when there's been like the smoke has really made that hard for me. So I like to have a day or two where I have some open-ended time and I typically will go to places where my phone does not work. Yay. We have bank (laughs) up in in the department. And then, because I just need some time where I can, I talk out loud to myself and I, um, right just mm-hmm. walk around with my dogs. Um, this is perfect time of year. So when the forest was closed and there was smoke, I was pacing basically. Yeah. I love to cook and mm-hmm. I, I, those are the other things that I do. Oh, that's awesome. Do you still backpack in good years? I haven't backpacked in a while. You know, um, a couple of years ago, I discovered that you could have um, pack animals take your stuff in. i i I thought at first like you know i grew up in a family where i never car camped until i was probably in my 30s and Uh because my family all we did was backpack and so like you know wow those people are having their stuff but you know i played a lot of basketball in high school and college and after and i have some physical um breakdown Uh certain parts of my body and (laughs) Doesn't make as we all do. I know, right? It doesn't make uh, the whole backpacking quite as fun. But boy, getting out there and still being out and getting to do day trips. I think that's the other thing about moving here that's been just phenomenal to me is I I will often like go walking and find a creek and just follow the creek as far as I have time for. Yeah, mm-hmm. have to be yeah. destination oriented because I'm not like on a mission because I'm only here for a week, you know. Like, oh, I got to see this or I got to see that. It's more like, I wonder where that goes, you know? Yeah. I really, the wandering, open-ended wandering time to me is by far and above the most um, soul-filling, I would say. I love it. And there are so many nooks and crannies Mm. to wander. Yeah. 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 Yeah, And when we were in an office, you know, this is one of those, again, this is a place where people are really connected to the place. So Mm -hmm. what'd you do this weekend? Oh, we found this road, blah, blah, blah. And you go, which road is that? And then you try to locate the road in your mind, right? Because there's Uh roads, right? And then you go, I've never been down that road. Or, oh yeah, I love, you know, like you pass it on to each other. Yeah. Um, Or, you know, I go to the vet, I got to the vet to get shots for one of my dogs. And he was saying like, Oh, have you ever been over in this one area? Blah, 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 explaining it to me. And I kind of have an idea. And so I was like, I'm going to go there. You know, it just, there's so, you could never see all of this place. That's right. There's There's always someplace new. Yeah. And the seasons. I also really like the seasons and I like, I like the cold. So um, I'm enjoying right now. a lot. It's coming. Yeah. It's a little, it's a little warmer today than the last two days, but it is coming. It is coming. Okay. Yes, I think so. So Robin, I know you, you and I've talked about books often over the, over all the years we've known each other. And so can you share with us, what are you reading now? Sure. I I actually have a couple. I, I just finished Ocean Vuong 
the um, On Earth, We're Briefly Gorgeous. Wonderful book. Oh, uh, incredible book. And I actually, and I will, so I actually listened to it because he narrates it. I had mm-hmm. heard him on a, I used to listen to a lot of podcasts because I used to drive to Sacramento once a month for work and um, I'm not driving very much anymore. So, I'm, but I, I heard him interviewed on city arts and lectures and I just really, he has a cadence to the way he speaks. I, I was very, intriguing to me. So I, I did that as an audio book and listen, and it's a book that I want to now go back and read, um, on paper because I think it's written in such a poetic way that I'm sure I missed a lot anyway, mm-hmm. but, um, that book really, I just finished that one. That one hit a lot of people's best picks of the year lists. Oh, really? Um, and he is a poet. I, I love mean, when I, I'm trendy. that's kind of how I had heard of him before this book came out and i had the same reaction robin that you know he it's just it's lyrical in the way that a poet is writing it yeah and i think he's pretty young so um i think that is the wisdom that he has now will just grow i yeah it was good and um i also read eleanor and park by rainbow rowell Oh, I love that. I love those books. (laughs) That was a really, that was so psychologically right on. I I was really. In what way? That book. Well, you know, I think I don't get this so much. I mean, certainly people who write books with character, like nonfiction or fiction, Mm -hmm. obviously sometimes the story about a person won't really match how I would imagine their psychology would be Mm -hmm. do things that don't. And you really, you'll see this a lot more on television, but like, yeah, that person wouldn't do that. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) like it doesn't have the depth and because that's where my world is. And I've lived in it for so long, like knowing people in their depth. Um, I really like when books, when characters, when authors and uh, write characters that feel psychologically, um, what would be the right word? I suddenly can't remember. That's the other thing. I, <laughs> I don't know if it's my age or my COVID experience, <laughs> but they're in tune. They're um, in sync. Um, you know, I, 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 I'll just, I don't have to comment on every book, but I can't help myself because no, I'm a librarian. <laughs> That book hit um, kind of a dual resonance when it came out because it's a young adult novel. I think yep. it was Rainbow Rowell's first young Her adult novel. Her first young adult novel, yes. Yeah. And um, she read it in a, wrote it in a way that presented characters that spoke to um, teens who maybe didn't feel so mainstream mm-hmm. um, at the time that they were reading it. And so it really, really resonated. But then a lot of adults read that book because mm-hmm. I, she sets it back in the 80s. Right. Right. So there's kind of a little bit of nostalgia there Hmm. for the read too. But yeah, if listeners, if you haven't read Eleanor and Park, I read a lot of young adult fiction myself. This one is a great crossover read. Mm -hmm. She's just a great author. I just love anything that she does. Okay. I'll, I'll keep checking. So the, the secret for me is, um, I actually, um, haven't been much of a reader for, I would say a good 25 years, because of, I like to read um, essays and mm-hmm. short things. Mm-hmm. And then I had a, just a tremendous amount of loss um, over a two-year period about two years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought, you know, I need, I did two things. I bought myself a 
a typewriter because I thought <laughs> a typewriter and it's a type it's like a manual typewriter back like it was made in 1963 or something I just had this flash one day like I think I'll write more and differently if I were to write on a typewriter and so, <laughs> a typewriter which I will say my little fingers are not very strong you know like <laughs> on earth did we used to do this <laughs> you gotta work up the muscles it's you gotta so work those hard. muscles it is so hard. Um, and the other thing is like, I, I want to start reading again. So I, um, I've read quite a bit since then. Um, but, uh, yeah, so it's been an interesting little process for me of like, okay, kind of, I guess, you know, you're talking about young adult fiction. Like I do know what that means in, in a con as a concept, but I don't really know what that means in terms of books, but I, I recognize what you're saying with rainbow Rowell's like with Eleanor and Park, like, okay, yeah, that makes sense to me. I just thought it was just, it was so sweet and beautiful. It I is. Have yes. tell you more. So the other one I just finished not that long ago was Rebecca Solnit's Recollections of My Non-Existence, which mm. she's also, I think, a brilliant writer. And um, she has another book that's name I will escape me now, but she, that really where she writes about this area a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's, it's depth. I like depth, but it's also um, she writes about things that I think are true in our world that you don't necessarily see because you get so used to things being a certain way. So yeah, a good one. And mm -hmm. then I'm in flex. I'm in the middle of, so what I'm also listening to for work is Brene Brown's book called Dare yes. to Feed. Yes. Um, so yeah. And now pretty soon I'll get into a, another book that in print, I haven't figured out what that will be yet. So, <laughs> well, I'll make a plug for the library or the bookstore. If you need any suggestions. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> but those are all excellent choices. You're you're, I love that you're picking up reading again and, and diving yeah. into these types of, these types of stories. These are great. Yeah. It's an interesting thing for me. I, you know, I, um, I had a lot of um, difficulty in my young life. And so I wasn't really a very good student and I couldn't pay attention very well in school. And so I was um, a really slow and not very um, up to speed reader. And I was told by so many educators when I was growing up that I wasn't going to ever get out of high school and that I would never go to college because I wasn't mm -hmm. smart enough. And really mm -hmm. what was happening is I wasn't able to pay attention. So yeah. then I had mm -hmm. a teacher in my junior year of high school named Mrs. Tiernan, who just brought a book over to me and she said, I think you'll really like this. And it was um, Flowers for Algernon. Yeah. Oh, I love that book. And um, she said, you don't, there's no pressure. You don't have to read it. You don't have to read it. You don't have to complete it. Just give it back to me when you're done with it. And so I, that wasn't just about reading for me and that story, which that she knew that I would like that story, but it was her just saying like, you can do this. And then I didn't stop reading for a really long time. <laughs> <laughs> that really made me, that was the beginning of me starting to realize like I actually probably was smart and had a brain and that I just was struggling with other things. So it, that took a while, obviously, to kind of mm -hmm. figure out. But I obviously went to college because I wouldn't be doing the job I have. If I, <laughs> um, you know, but that that process of, of not giving up on students if they're struggling. Right. And that there is probably something out there for them. And books are the thing. Like, that is such a way in, you know. And, and for, as we were speaking earlier, 
there's a lot on anyone's minds nowadays. And I've heard from a lot of people, they've had a hard time focusing on things. And so I've had a hard time focusing on things. So, you know, reading can also just help us cope, to borrow your word, um, with some of what we're dealing with today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and like, you know, and feel connected to parts of ourselves and others that we might not. Yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, the thing about Ocean Vuong's book, is he's an immigrant and from Vietnam. And um, so he talks about Vietnam during a time his, his mom and his grandmother are affected by what was called there, the American war, um, what we called here, the Vietnam war. And I grew up during that period of time. So, mm-hmm. you know, seeing a perspective from, from what it was like to be in a village and then how he then can experience in his life, that effect from a time period that I grew up in and didn't really think about, the effect of quite in the same way. I just love that stuff. I love when you yeah. a big puzzle, right. That you, you get to put together and it's, uh, it just, it just makes it all the more full. So, yeah. Well, that's a great recommendation for that book. Thank you for yeah. that. Well, thank you. <laughs> Robin, thank you so much for oh, your time and coming to yeah. talk with us today. We this really awesome. enjoyed it. You were awesome. Well, thank this you. Is- and thanks for doing this. Oh, we, we enjoy it. Yeah, we we get all uh-huh. the, the pleasure out of it. So. <laughs> but we will we'll definitely put um, links to um, Mono County Behavioral Health and to um, the the coping um, of, events that you have, and as well as the books that you've recommended. So thank you. We really appreciate it, and take good care, and enjoy what's left of the beautiful fall weather before the snow flies. Okay. I'm really um, gratified by the fact that you guys think that it's going to get cold and it's going to snow. So (laughs) it's like, I don't have to watch the squirrels anymore. I'm going to (laughs) go. Christopher and Stacy. Yes. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Very much. Thank you. Thanks so much. And thank Uh you listeners for joining us for another episode of the oxygen star podcast. We appreciate you tuning in uh, for each episode. If you are enjoying our podcast, please subscribe um, and then you'll never miss an episode. Um, you can also, uh, find us on our Instagram account, O2Starved. And, uh, if you have any comments, questions, or recommendations for us, please email us at oxygenstarvedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Be safe, take good care, and we'll see you again soon. Thanks for joining us here for Oxygen Star. Our outro music, Iron Bacon, is composed and performed by Kevin McLeod. Incompetech.com, Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license.